Hi guys. Ew, hi. That's super high pitched, my voice. I wow. know. She's really excited. Because you know why? Because we haven't had an episode since last year. Since last year. <laughs> I hope all two of our fans missed us dearly. Yeah, we missed you too. The two of you. <laughs> I know. But anyways, we have some exciting news. We're back. We're better, I hope. Um, so I don't know. Do you think it's time to tell them the news, Chewy? I think I think that's a good idea, Kavya. Yeah. Tell them the news. Okay. <laughs> so season one, which many of you may not have even known, we were having seasons, which we didn't even know until yeah. like a few weeks ago. <laughs> but yeah. I think the first season was really just a couple episodes for you guys to get to know us as people, your hosts what was going on in our lives, what we were feeling, and just things that we wanted to talk about. Um, I hope that now you've heard enough about us and you're a little tired of us, quite frankly. Yeah. But <laughs> don't worry. We're still here, but we have a little... We're going in a little slightly different direction for season two. Mm-hmm. Um, so for season two, actually, Kavya came up with this idea and she shared it with me and I thought it was super cool. Um Basically, we want to still keep that personal touch um, that we have with each episode, but also bring in some research and some like outside information to back up some of our points or to bring additional insight um, into our episodes just to get more of a, um, I guess, rounded. Is rounded the right word? Rounded? Rounded experience? Rounded like your face? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> just a more... Um, damn i'm really losing i'm at a loss for words right now not i think we just want to yeah yeah i think we just want to like explore questions like big questions yeah and like kind of just like play devil's advocate every time we answer something just to see the other side you know yeah and i think one of the things we should all focus on in 2021 is educating ourselves on not just like social matters but also just you know topics that sometimes go above our heads and we don't really give much thought to it so that's why we're like okay with this season we can actually sit down research a little bit learn a couple new things and even just like reflect on how we feel about it yeah i agree yeah yeah and so i mean also if you guys think of questions that you want us to answer or you want our opinions on hit the dms they're open and they're very dry right now they're incredibly dry <laughs> so slide into the dm shorties <laughs> Ew, I... <laughs> well anyway so today's episode we're gonna be talking a lot about change and I know that's a super broad topic, but it's broad for a reason because there's so many things related to change. There's minor changes, there's big changes, and there's personal changes, there's changes you want in other people. But one thing we can all agree on is that we've all experienced change, you know, in some way, shape, or form. We've all been in some kind of situation where I'm sure we deeply believe that someone can change, whether that person be ourselves or someone who we wanted to change. And so one question today is, our question today is really focused on whether or not people can change and how do we actually make sure that our changes stick? What even classifies as change, really? I don't know. Do you know, Juhi? I don't, but we're going to find out. <laughs> All right, let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> All 
going into just some, I guess, to begin with, a question. Are you ready, Kavya? That was a very long, like... I know. Sorry, that was super <laughs> It was like, you know when you're writing an essay and then you want to <laughs> increase the word count? So instead of just saying, to begin, you're like, so to um, uh, begin, I will like to... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's exactly what it sounded like. Okay, but here's my question for you, okay? So what is a situation in which you thought someone had changed, but they didn't really change? And was it just an illusion? Oh my goodness. I literally was, (laughs) I wasn't even thinking of like what, how I could answer this question before we started recording, but I think, okay, so I'm pretty sure we've all had, um, friendships. I'm, I'm going to bring a really old, old friendship, like one from middle school Mm -hmm. (laughs) because this just like still triggers me to this day. So I was friends with someone, this one girl, in like all of elementary school and then I could tell that she was like kind of a toxic friend and really I feel like people are probably laughing because like how can do can kids even be toxic answer is yes they can they okay? can you just don't they realize it. totally can and mm-hmm. me and her we kind of have this like love hate relationship because basically we were like our friend group was a trio and trios they like rarely work out let's face it there's always going to be two people that are closer Mm-hmm. The thing is, the middle girl, we were like both kind of competing with to be closer to. And it's kind of started this like vicious cycle of her like saying stuff about me. And then like I would say stuff about her. And mm-hmm. then eventually we had a conversation and we were like, um, you know, this is not good. Um, we need to be friends. Like, why are we competing? La 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 la, whatever. So I remember like making such a big effort to like hang out with her I went to her house just alone not even with the third girl there we spent lots of time with each other and I never said a bad word about her after that I like got rid of this mindset of like it's a competition um and I honestly believe that she had as well fast forward like Three months later, I leave that school and she spreads tons of stuff about me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She like starts saying how like we were never really friends. She was only friends with me because of this and that. And I was like, okay, well, I guess she never really changed. This was my seventh, no, sixth grade, fifth grade trauma. And it still carries me because that was my first instance of like really believing someone had changed and then they didn't. Sorry, that was such a long story. That's okay. But yeah, that was so that I, in that to answer your question, um yes. <laughs> it was an illusion. They didn't really they didn't really change. It was just a show, which I think is what most people experience when they think that someone has changed. It's like they have they really? I don't know. That's so difficult to maneuver around cuz it's like you put your trust in somebody changing and then they don't and then it's like They say it again, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to trust you again. It's just a bad, bad cycle when, like, change is not actually present, you know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, whatever. That's what we're going to dive into this episode anyways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On that topic, though, I mean, we're talking about other people changing. I have a question for you, and that's have you yourself changed, Mm -hmm. and what what did you do to change? And I'm asking this with the fattest smile on my face because I have personally witnessed her change so much (laughs) in the last, like, 
you know, four, five years, whatever of us like being close. Mm -hmm. I think the person that I first met versus the person you are now is drastically different. And obviously some of that is because of natural growth. Like, of course, when you grow older, you're not going to be the same person you were four years ago. But I think there's a lot of changes that you made yourself that you had to literally force. And you had to sit yourself down and say, like, okay, I need this to change. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, is there one that you feel comfortable sharing about maybe your, the thing you're most proud of that you were able to change? So first of all, I just wanted to preface that by saying it's so weird to think about your personal change because, like, even though... I know that there have been so many changes that have happened um, with regards to me. It like I just I still feel like the same person that I am, it, and like I just feel I guess closer to who I am ultimately supposed to be. Um, I don't know. It's super weird. Anyways, um, in terms of how I've changed myself, I think that I went from being somebody who used to think a lot about other people, and I guess my changes were really centered around them. Um, in terms of, am I giving them any trouble? Are they having a hard time? Like, are they upset to being more, I guess, centered and surrounded, like, for myself? Um, So now it's like, when I think about doing something, or I think about, oh, like, I want to do these things, I think of how it's going to make me feel first, and then others. And that, uh, it's really weird. I hated saying that so many times in the past, because I was like, that sounds so selfish. And it just got to the point where it was like, Uh, Like, if I don't do that, then I'm going to be unhappy myself. And then also, like, I can't guarantee that the other person is going to be any Mm -hmm. happier, you know? So it's like, I might as well just do what works best for me and go from there. And honestly, I think this is, like, the best change that I've seen in you. I also, like, this kind of comes with it, but I feel like you have developed such a strong like respect for yourself yeah I think so that you also don't tolerate people disrespecting you Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. any means and I think like it's not always confrontational but if someone is not treating you with like respect or if they just like you know are not adding value to your life I think you very easily identify that and then instead of like chasing after them and being like why aren't you giving me attention or why aren't you like treating me with disrespect Mm -hmm. or wait with with not with respect not disrespect um you like you know you easily just kind of like let it go and you're I think that's like the best change I've seen in you so thanks yay I'm happy (laughs) okay so yeah so moving on I have another question for you this Ooh, is going a I little feel like bit I'm being more, interviewed. <laughs> this is a little bit more general, like, I guess, less personal. Um, but what do you personally define as change? And then how do you know that somebody has actually changed? Whew. I really got to start thinking of my answers before I... <laughs> it's hard, man. It, it feels like, yeah. It's hard. It's, on the spot. it's hard because change is so general. Like, it's such a broad term. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many different ways that someone can change. Mm -hmm. I think when I think of how a person changes, I, I think a lot about like maybe even just changes in perception. So like how you perceive things, that's the biggest change. And I think that's like something that I have worked with, Mm -hmm. like within myself. Yeah. It's just like, you know, changing my, 
not always changing my reaction, not always changing my actions, sorry, Mm -hmm. but changing my reactions and changing my perceptions of things. So when I think of change, at least internally, I think of changing my reactions and how I see things and how I, you know, take things. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you know someone has actually changed? That's tough. I think it's almost impossible because, I mean, I'll get to this in my next question for you, but there's a difference between like intention and action, right? Someone can have, someone can be doing all the right things and you might think that they've changed, but in their head, they're the exact same person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we don't have access to anyone's internal voices except ourselves. So I think we can go our entire lives never really knowing fully if someone has actually changed. Um, obviously like actions speak louder than words. So when it comes to like, you know, if I express something to someone and then I can see them displaying that in their actions, like they're actively making an effort to do better or be better or whatever, you know, they're being proactive. Yeah. That says a lot, but I don't think we'll ever actually know if they're doing that in order to please someone else or to put on a show or if it's like a hundred percent genuine in their head I think for me I feel like I know I've changed when in my head my reaction is different if that makes sense yeah no that's very fair and that's super interesting because it's like only you know that you've changed at that point you know what I'm saying like because you're the only one actually witnessing that reaction um Mm -hmm. so even from that point and that standard it's like it's hard to see change like for, for me to look at change within you you know yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I see like, I mean, I, I think when I look at you and how much I've seen that you change, it displays right away in your actions. Mm-hmm. But I also see it in terms of your reactions. Right? I think like, it's, yeah, it's also, when, sorry, go ahead, continue. Well, I, I just mean like when situations happen, I see that you are less bothered, for example, mm-hmm. than you would have been three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like, the most important thing when I look to see if someone has actually like changed. It's such an interesting topic. I love it. <laughs> I know we could talk about it for hours. Yeah, and I think I'm on that creepy. topic yeah, though, go ahead. I mean, I just kind of gave away my answer, mm-hmm. but to you, what do you think defines change? Is it the intention or the action itself? And if it's a mixture of both, how do you think they kind of interact with each other? So personally, I do think that it's a mixture of both. And I'll tell you why. First of all, with intention, it's like people can always intend to do better and be better, but you don't see that as an outsider, right? Like if you were intending to change and you're like, no, this is what I am meaning to do. I can never witness that because those are your internal thoughts, right? So in my head, it's like, okay, she's still the same person right? With actions, you're also right in the sense that somebody could easily act for sure, but that action could not, may have not aligned with their actual true intention and they could be just putting on like an act, you know? Um, So that's why I think that both kind of fit hand in hand in the sense that you have an intention and, you know, you, you act on that intention by presenting yourself to that person um, in whichever way it is to, I guess, get that intention out to them. 
Does that make sense? Like that sounded super winded, but like, it's like, if I was thinking, okay, I want to, you know, I don't know, uh, what's an example. Like I want to go to the grocery store every day and then it's like, okay, that's the thought in my head. And then that's my intention. And then I physically go to the grocery store every single day. And then I complete that action. So it's kind of like you think of the intention first. And then if you complete that through the action, I feel like that actually just makes that change a lot stronger and a lot more meaningful Mm -hmm. and more. And while it's still internal, it's still like, okay, somebody can also witness that change within you. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think what you're trying to say is like your intention and your action have to align in order to fully be changed yeah um and for anyone who's who's a little confused about like why i'm emphasizing this intention part so much when i was in my senior year of college i took this really interesting class and there was actually it was a class on ethics and one example that they gave us which i love is let's just say that i broke into juhi's house with the intention of killing her um And stealing all her money. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I take a gun and I shoot you, but it shoots a deadly tumor that I know this is probably impossible, but it shoots a deadly tumor that you didn't know out of your body. Mm -hmm. So actually what I've done is I've saved your life. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, then I get praised as a hero because I just saved your life. I knocked this deadly tumor out of your body. And, but, but that does, that's not why I came here. That's not what was going on in my head. Mm. And it's the same example that I try to think of like, okay, if you are walking by and you see a homeless person and let's just say you give them like money or you give them food or something Mm -hmm. and you do the act, which is obviously a great act, but in your head, you're like, ugh, they're so annoying. I can't, like, why are they here? You just feel pressure to do it out of societal things. It's like, okay, does your action then have any value? Mm, very if true. Yeah. You were thinking something completely different. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird thing, and there's no right answer to it because from an external point of view, it's just like, okay, does it really, like, matter what your intention is as long as what you're doing is good and as long as what you're doing is progressive, mm, Yeah. right, on one hand? Yeah. It doesn't really impact anyone else except yourself. So that's why I, I think it's super interesting. I never really thought of it through that lens until this ethics class. Mm-hmm. And that's, so. a great, that's a great way to think about these things for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's winded. I'm curious to think what anyone else thinks. Kavya, I have another question for you. Ugh, stop with these questions. I'm kidding. You're just so... I love your voice and I want to listen. Okay, I'm vomiting. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> do you think that we have the power to change um, our core personality traits? And should we? Um, and then continuing on from that, where do we draw the line between you know, this is just who I am versus I need to change this. So this is a kind of a big question. Mm -hmm. I feel like every question we're asking here is big, but thick with two C's. They're thick (laughs) with three C's. C's. (laughs) I think so. Let's just say someone brings up something that, you know, bothers them about your personality or they just find something annoying or whatever. 
I think everyone's first reaction is to be defensive. Mm -hmm. And when someone tries to call you out or criticize an action or behavior that you are constantly displaying, your first response is like, but that's just who I am. Take it or leave it. You know, yeah, I can't change that. Like, and I think obviously there are situations where that is justifiable. Like it's just who you are as a person and, you know um sometimes people just gotta take it and they just gotta accept that Mm -hmm. but i think we also have that reaction when we when someone brings up something within ourselves that we also know is probably not the best trait to have i agree yeah (laughs) like i definitely do Mm -hmm. um and so i was actually looking into this a little bit earlier and i think if you've ever taken a psychology course you know that there is this thing called the big five and these are big five or these are five factors that have basically come about from psychological research as like the main five personality traits everyone has and in each of these traits it's kind of a spectrum so um for example i'll just list the five ones that we have Mm -hmm. openness to experience I cannot say this word, conscientiousness. Conscientiousness. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Consci- I can, literally cannot <laughs> say it. Um, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And everyone is on like the spectrum. They are on a different, you know, if it's like a slider, mm-hmm. each of us are on like a different level for each of these things. And together they make us who we are. And all of these five traits embody a bunch of other smaller traits that kind of make up our personalities. And so I was actually looking at, you know, can we change those factors, these core things that make us who we are? And actually, (laughs) the findings of like a lot of research is that they're actually relatively stable our whole life. (laughs) So a lot of these traits, they are very stable and they come from a bunch of different factors. They could be biologically you know, driven, but they're also like environmental mm-hmm. factors from our childhood come and influence these things. So not so we might not necessarily be able to change them a hundred percent. We can, it's not impossible, but it's just pretty stable at, especially when you're like in adulthood. Yeah. But I did read that there are ways, there are three things that studies have found again and again and again that can help you change certain um traits i guess Mm -hmm. and they are when you engage yourself in activities that fit three criteria and the criteria that research says is situations or scenarios where you feel important Mm -hmm. that's no surprise there human ego you know we all have it um things that are situations that are enjoyable and that align with our values when we are forced kind of into these situations that have those three factors um you can actually shift where you are on the scale for some of these big five traits if that makes sense yeah yeah so looking at that i think we definitely do have the power to change personality traits but not in the sense that we're suddenly going from an introvert to an extrovert more of that we can adapt Mm. to a different scenario. So I think like even though we ourselves, like our our core of who we are as people may not change, we become adaptable. And that is what I think 
I, I think that was just mind blowing to me because I never thought of it in that way that we maybe even though like our core selves, like we don't fully shift our adaptability does. And I think our adaptability is more important than the traits of who the, the core traits mm-hmm. that we have. So, so, so basically it's kind of like that the core traits, the spectrum is narrow in terms of, okay, this is what I have, but the spectrum for adaptability is, is large, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think of it like, I think the most common example is like introvertedness and extrovertedness. Um, people are always surprised when I tell them I'm literally an introvert. Like, yeah, I because they're like, oh, but you like going out and you uh, that's false. That's I don't like so going out. false. Like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll be like, but but no one who meets me for the first time will ever be able to tell that I don't like going out. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, but fair. you talk to everyone or, you, you know, you like invite people over whatever and the thing is that's true but that doesn't make me an extrovert I Mm. still am buried to my core and introvert I just can adapt to social situations Mm -hmm. and I can put myself in those situations and that's what's important and so anyone who says I can't change because that's just who I am that's false Mm. (laughs) I agree with that that's you can change to be more adaptable Mm -hmm. so hey mic drop (laughs) <laughs> did you like that there did you are you are you happy with yourself <laughs> I, I did I am <laughs> and so um I mean that was my TED talk there I like your I want to know thank you mm-hmm. I want to know if you think that this is kind of something I was thinking about it's like one of those shower thoughts do you think that we change for ourselves or for others and what I mean by this before you answer is if you know, if you were locked in a room by yourself or if you were never if you were the last person on earth, right, do you think you would still make some of the changes that we claim are for ourselves for yourself? Or is it kind of like a big part of you changes so other people like so other people will kind of praise you for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even mean that as in like, oh, you're gonna change just so like other people like, wow, she's so cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I just mean that like it's kind of that question of like, what would you do if no one's watching, right? Um, curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's such a difficult question because it's like, I feel like both of them are kind of intertwined with one another. Like, for example, if I, if I see something happening and if my reaction to a person was in a certain way that I didn't like, then that change would be elicited because of that other person. But it's still ultimately like a good thing, Right. But then again, mm-hmm. it's also like, okay, well, there's been so many times when I've looked at myself and I was like, yo, like this is not making me happy thinking, you know, in a certain way or whatever. And at that point it was like, okay, well now I need to put some change in for myself. Um, so I feel like, I feel like it really depends on the context and the situation that you're present in. I think that as I got older, it was kind of like, I felt like I funneled out people. Um, and so when I was younger, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I did, the changes that I made, they were for other people because I felt like I didn't have a grasp of what I personally really wanted. So I was like, okay, well, I think I can elicit change by, you know, looking at these people and then seeing what I like and then trying to just go about it that way. But then the older I get and the less people that I'm surrounded by and the more time that I have with myself, I'm more, I guess, I'm just more understanding and more like, 
um, I guess, conscious of like what it is that I need to change within myself for myself, you know? Um, so I guess, I guess it was both for me. And I think that I, I really like where it's at right now. I think what always is, I guess, interesting to me is that what is it going to be like in the future? Because in the future, um, I don't know, maybe I'll have a family or I don't know, maybe Mm -hmm. I'll be interacting with a lot more people than I am now. So will that change, you know, divert again back to changing for others, but still in the best way possible in terms of just becoming a better person, you know? Yeah. Dang, that was deep. Sorry, that was hella deep. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) I love it. I love it. We're talking about the real stuff here. Yeah. Um, That's a super interesting question, though, because it it (laughs) makes you... It's so weird because it's like you... There's so many times when you're like, yeah, I'm doing this for myself. And then you're caught up in situations where you're interacting with other people and you realize that... I can't be thinking in a certain way or, you know, it's not okay Mm -hmm. to do certain things. So it's like, and that comes through maybe your interactions with another person and how you made somebody else feel. So it's like, while the change is still internal and within yourself, it came about because you understood how you made someone else feel. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And on that point, I think it's interesting because sometimes when we think about change, like sometimes changes stick because we get like reinforcement from other people. Mm -hmm. So for example, like if you, you know, I'll just say like, okay, let's just say you were your, the change you wanted to have was to be like fit. Mm -hmm. Okay. You wanted to go to the gym, work out. And obviously like, you know, there's that internal part of you that feels really good after a workout, but let's just say your goal was to like lose weight Mm -hmm. and people were Obviously, when you first lose weight, people notice and they tell you like, dang, like you lost a lot of weight or you're looking really great or whatever the comments that you want to hear. And it kind of reinforces you and it keeps you going. But then I I always wonder what would happen if people never made those comments, right? Mm. If like no one reacted or responded to the things that you were trying hard to change, Mm -hmm. it's like, would we continue or would we give up? And it's, it's something that I... I I don't even know for myself what I would do. Yeah. Oh my God. You're, you're so right. Cause I'm thinking about it with like me and you, you know, like, cause like Covey and I talk every single day and we know what's going on in each other's lives and how we're reacting to certain situations. So I'm sure there've been times when Covey has been like, you know, you did a great thing, right? I see change in you or like, I'll say the same thing, you know, for her. And I wonder how much that plays into the role of like, oh, like I'm doing a good job. Like I need to keep going type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. On that note though, do you think that we can make that change, I guess, last long term? I think that there's ways to make changes last long term. Um, I think... I mean, I think we'll get into this like towards the end of our episode, but I feel like in short and sweet terms, I think change really happens when our mindset, as you said earlier, our mindset really aligns with our actions. Mm -hmm. When we feel, I, I know we always say when you're trying to make a change at the very beginning, the whole fake it till you make it right. You want to, even if you don't want to actually do it, you just fake it. And then eventually your actions, you kind of trick yourself for lack of a better word, 
into actually thinking something. It's like if there's a lot of psychology that shows, actually, if you fabricate a memory, Mm -hmm. like let's just say I, you know, went on this horrible date and you asked me about it and I didn't want to admit that it was a really bad date because you knew the person. So I kind of made it sound like it was very pleasant. Mm -hmm. If I repeat that enough times and that's the story that I tell other people, even though in my memory it was like a horrible date, um, over time I will actually believe that it was a pleasant date. Yeah, of course. And it's it's been shown because obviously our memories aren't the best, you know. Um, Over time they start fading and then we are reinforcing our actions and our words are reinforcing this positive memory to take its place. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Um, But with that, I think that's kind of how the fake it till you make it works is you're, even though your actions and your mindset aren't initially aligned over time, after we repeat this action several, several times, it kind of makes us believe that that's actually what we want to do. And then our minds kind of follow that path. So I'm not saying fake it till you make it is the only way to go or it's the way to go or the best way even. But I think that like change really happens and change really sticks when the voice inside your head is the same as like what your actions are saying, you know? Yeah, Um, I agree. And that can, yeah. And I mean, time to, I'm going to just turn the question back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I want to think of like, this is something I think a lot of people in the media have opinions about. Cancel culture. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is it helpful or harmful for change? And I, to clarify what I mean by cancel culture, I'm talking about like brands being canceled on the media. People who maybe, let's say, a racist video of them when they were 15, 16, even when they were like 25 yeah. comes out. Okay. Yeah. And immediately everyone's response is like, they should not have a platform. You know, I've seen a lot of cases where let's just say there's like a high schooler who made a racial slur and a video of them gets like resurfaced online and then they lose like college scholarships. They lose pretty much everything they had going for them. And it's a really sticky topic because of course, like everyone who responds, everyone who sees these kind of things, like you're hurting, right? Yeah. Um, people are angry. Mm-hmm. But it's like, to what extent should we take that? Because it, is canceling really going to help them grow? Is it going to help them change? I don't know. Let's, um, I'm asking you, what do you think? I think that it's, I don't know. I think that people should always be given the opportunity to, I guess, redeem themselves And I think that if something like that happens, um, I think that it is definitely on the person to come forward and be like, hey, like I was in the wrong. And it takes a lot of like strength to do that, you know. So if you can come out and you can be like, hey, like I was in the wrong. Um, I understand that I, you know, have hurt a bunch of people and that I'm going to do X, Y, Z and like hold yourself accountable to change certain things. I think that like in that sense, it's okay to, I guess, make sure that we're not canceling them. Um, I think that when the problem comes about when somebody does something and then they just don't ever like um, have any opinions about it after, or they don't seem to 
you know, feel any remorse or anything like that, you know? So at that point, I would 100% be like, all right, well, you're canceled then, you know, because you clearly have, first of all, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt in the sense that, okay, maybe they had no understanding of what they were doing. And that's fair. But once you have been acknowledged by a bunch of people like, hey, this is wrong. And then if you don't speak out, I think that that's a problem because I think that that is just simply just ignorance. And the fact that you're not able to hold yourself accountable for your actions, you know, um, what do you think about that, though? Because I know it's 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 a very like it's not just like a Tricky. yes or no. Exactly. Yeah, I think that like, OK, so when we think of like all the videos that come out or, you know, old tweets and stuff that get posted, which lead to someone getting canceled, mm -hmm. I am truly, to be honest, a bit more forgiving mm -hmm. when it's something that was like years and years ago. Because yeah, let's face it, we all do things that are stupid when we're like 12, 13, even in high school, <laughs> even in first year university, like we probably have all done things that are dumb. Mm -hmm. And people grow. People, I think like, y you know people just change over years and I don't think that someone should necessarily be canceled mm -hmm. for something that they did decades ago or like years ago yeah. but that being said right um that doesn't go for all all situations yeah, I know I that there's certain things where like sexual harassment <laughs> for example like rape like all those kind of cases um I don't think that, that that's not a, that's not that mm, i'm not forgiving really for that mm -hmm. um but i think you know i can't even exclude people who've done those things from this conversation because it's kind of like uh, it, it's tricky because by if we're following the same rule that oh people can change and people like you know can grow it's like so does that count for everything and every like i'm not being very articulate here okay, but i mean yeah. like are are we going to use that to kind of forgive certain traits or certain things and not others like it's mm. a it's kind of a gray area yeah um because if we're following the logic then we should technically be able to forgive everything yeah but it's like it doesn't work that way yeah um but overall, I think like cancel culture isn't very productive at all. I think if someone is having a platform, for example, and they're spreading nonsense and they're just downright like just toxic as a person mm -hmm. and they have an influence, I think for sure their platform should probably be taken away, mm -hmm. right? Because they have influence over so many people, but... I don't think that should necessarily mean that they can't come back, you know, and they can't if they if they can truly demonstrate like, hey, like I've taken this time to reflect mm -hmm. or I see that I've hurt people and they really mean it. Mm -hmm. um, then I think that people shouldn't like cancel them, I think, for trying to come back. It, it's sticky. It's sticky. No, there's no right sure. answer for here. For sure. For sure. Because even with that, there's also like when it comes to like influencers, right? A lot of these things are scripted. Okay. Yeah. They screw yeah. up. Their publicist is going to be like, all right, you have to make this apology. Yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then they're going to make this apology. Yeah. And like, yeah. No. And that ties back to the whole intention versus action thing, right? It's like 
sure, you can have somebody script something for you. They're, they're going to tell you like, okay, change up these things. And then people will forget, like, forget about it over time, you know? But then it's like, bruh, there was no intention in that. There was no point of doing that. But unfortunately, that is what everyone else sees is the actions, you know? So it's, oh my God, like it's, it's crazy how much trust we put into people knowing that they could always like be in the favor of not intending for the best for us, you know? Yeah. I think as a baseline level, like with cancel culture, right? If we call someone out, I'm full on in favor of calling people out. Yeah. When they make like mistakes yeah, publicly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right? Um, because they're using a platform. And I think like the only way that we can judge if they have changed is through their actions. I've seen people who have, for example, you made racial slurs and then they as as a form of like apology they would you know and to show that they've kind of changed they would end up donating to a charity they would end up donating for example to black lives matter and while that doesn't necessarily 100 percent tell us are they doing this for the good publicity are they doing that out of the pureness of their hearts it's still a step yeah um and i think that like I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's tricky, but <laughs> it's very, you know what I Curious. think it is. I think that it's like your whatever action you did years ago or whenever you did that, it needs to have an equal solution in the sense that it needs to be of mm-hmm. the same magnitude. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Damn, yeah. that's wild. And yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I have one last question for you. And this one is a juicy one. It's something I guess people talk about a lot. Um, I think it's more applicable, I think, to our everyday lives. Yeah. So do you think that once someone has cheated on somebody else that they will always be a cheater? So um, I don't think so Mm -hmm. but the way i see it is if the way i see it is like if i was with someone and they told me that they had cheated in a previous relationship yeah right or i found out that they had cheated somehow in a previous relationship i think to me that person like just from my personal (laughs) trust issues and all that mm-hmm. um i think for me that would always like i would know that that person has been a cheater yeah does that mean that they will cheat on me does that mean that i will completely lose faith in them no mm-hmm. i think like just because someone has cheated in the past doesn't mean that they will always cheat mm-hmm. but i don't necessarily let go of that label of a cheater mm-hmm. I just think that like, okay, if you, if I am with someone, for example, and they've cheated, but we are willing to have a conversation about it and I can see that like they have evolved and they've grown um, and they are telling me with like remorse Mm -hmm. over what they did. I think that's like a step forward. Mm -hmm. It's confusing though, because I, I know it's easy to say, but then I don't like... It's not like I've dated anyone who has been a cheater yeah. before. Yeah. 
so it's it's really hard to tell because I don't know how I would maybe react in this situation like if it were to happen mm-hmm. in real life mm-hmm. but um yeah I think that like and it, it, it depends there's a lot of like other contexts right if someone cheated in a relationship when they were 15 yeah and now they are a 30 year old man yeah <laughs> like I think I think I am more forgiving to that but I think listen if someone cheats if they tell me that they have cheated and they are like 20 years old 25 years old at that point I'm like come on boy you know what you're doing you exactly yeah um and I think even if they feel like they have grown and they assure me that they've changed there will always be a little bit of like a trust issue just my personal thing Mm -hmm. um but that being said I still think that that doesn't necessarily demote them to always being a cheater Mm -hmm. I went in circles here. No, it's fine. It's it's like <laughs> hard, man. It's hard to answer something like this, just like a yes or no or like a, you know. I think it's important to acknowledge the things that people have done before that kind of make them who they are now, mm. whether it's the good things or the bad things. Yeah. Um, and if you can acknowledge that with another person, like, okay, they've cheated in their past or they've done this and that in their past, that doesn't mean that they're not worthy of like love or they're not worthy of being in a relationship or whatever. Now, Mm -hmm. all of those things in the past made them who they are present. And Mm. sometimes when you have a background or when you, not a background in cheating, but when you have experience (laughs) from that side, (laughs) it like, it, 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 it can shape your experience. It can shape who you are in the future to be a much more better version of yourself because you firsthand experienced how much cheating can hurt someone else. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think? I, I, okay, so I actually didn't think about it, how you were thinking about it in the sense of like, oh, if this person cheated before and then I got with them after. I was thinking more about it in the sense like, if I was cheated on, first of all, like that would be the end of that mm. relationship. And then Same. second, it's, second, it's like, okay, that's the end of that in my head, I probably would have the label of that person being a cheater um, for however mm-hmm. long. Um, and I and I truly don't see myself, like if that person came back to me years after and they were like, yeah, I've changed and I've done this, I don't think that I would be able to get that idea of them being a cheater out of my head. But it's weird mm-hmm. and it's interesting in the fact that when you were saying what you were saying, you know, how... Like if this person cheated in a previous relationship and they've definitely tried to work on themselves and they've understood the depths of what, you know, they put another person through, then I feel Mm -hmm. like I would still be okay, you know, getting into a relationship with them. And that's so weird because it's like the only thing that changed is that the first cheating happened on a different person and not on me, you know, but the idea is still the same at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And it's crazy because it all comes back to change. If you truly believe Mm -hmm. that they have changed, Mm -hmm. then you're okay with it. But then that even like, you're right. Like I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like what would it, what would the situation be if I was dating the person Mm -hmm. and then they cheated Mm -hmm. during that relationship? So that's interesting because then I'm like, okay, are we as forgiving to change or are we as open to change when it is something that firsthand experience? Yeah. When it firsthand impacts us I think that honestly as we get older our tolerance reduces and Mm -hmm. um oh wait no increases right 
No, no, no. It reduces, mm-hmm. reduces. Uh, yeah, it de- yeah, 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 yeah. It decreases. Definitely reduces. And I think that that only has to do with the experiences that you have. So it's like if you've had these experiences of being cheated on, you're obviously not going to tolerate that in the future. And I feel like you're going to be less open to change because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's That's true. It's, it's interesting because it's a mix of your personal experiences, how open you are to, you know, allowing other people to enter your life in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, many, many factors, I think, come into play with something like that. That's true. Yeah, it's hard to tell if anyone, you know, if anyone has knows. ever been through. <laughs> yeah. Like, if anyone has the answers Yo, to these, that would up, be great. Please. Yeah. Yeah. These, so we just kind of, I guess that kind of wraps up, like, our discussion and our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these were all our opinions. Yeah. Um, there is no definite answer as to if people can change, if we can change, there's no um, right answer, I think, either. Yeah. But I think, I mean, that's <laughs> that's just what we think. And I'm curious if anyone has other thoughts. Please get back to yeah. us and, like, tell It'd us what you think. It'd be super interesting to think about it from definitely a different perspective, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, one last question, though. Yeah. One last question, because I just thought of this in my head. Mm-hmm. What do you think about forgiving people even when they don't change because we've been talking about you know people changing la da 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 whatever yeah but what if what about those situations when you are truly hurt for example by someone yeah or even maybe yourself even yeah. and you have and at that point like would you ever i guess be forgiving to someone who doesn't change and this is not just cheating it could be anything like a, a friend or someone who was toxic that you just had to let go of. Yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Um, I think my initial reaction would just be no. Like, I don't think I would be forgiving of that because it's like if if I'm upset about something um, and that's because of what you have done and then you choose not to change, then what am I, you know, resolving there? Right. Like what what is the purpose of my forgiveness you know for me but then what happens is that over time I feel like at least for me in my past experiences that just turned into a lot of like bottled up anger and just just really bad horrible energy that I don't ever want to carry with myself so I feel like at a certain point I have to forgive but for myself not for the other person or not to satisfy the other like other person does that make sense yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I was just going to say, like, I feel like I forgive to just so, like, I'm at peace. Yeah. Not really. Yeah, exactly. The other person. Yeah, I just, I hate and stuff I wonder, like that looming over my head. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no, I wonder if the strength in that, like, the whole peace that you get from forgiving mm-hmm. someone who hasn't changed is really, even if you're forgiving them or if you're just forgiving yourself yeah kind of for what you went through with that person yeah and I and I think it's more of the latter actually I think it is more of a Mm -hmm. forgiveness for yourself because you you ultimately are still connected with yourself so it's like okay if I forgive and if I if I can feel that within myself like I think I'll just be more at peace than if it was the other situation where you're forgiving the other person you know Mm -hmm. yeah 
Dang. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so that was our discussion. That was a very, I think, heavy yeah. discussion, which I'm a fan of. I really enjoyed I, that because a lot too. of these things, I don't think we, I don't think we think we about don't really or talk s- about really. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's the first time I'm really hearing your opinions on a lot of these as well, Same. which is why I love film, like recording these episodes mm-hmm. is because if guys, like we don't discuss, no, we go through maybe the questions that we're going to ask each other, but we never go through answers, the answers. Yeah. And so I'm hearing all of this. I'm learning about Juhi every episode. Same and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So one of the findings that we, one of the findings one that we found, <laughs> <laughs> my eloquent wording, um, was basically there was a, a research study that I'll link in the description, which basically found that personality trait changes um, can occur in adulthood, in adulthood and people seem to have the most change between the ages of 20 and 40 years old, which is really confusing, but it also kind of makes sense if you think about it. And the reason it's super confusing is, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like I had 20 different personalities growing up. Um, (laughs) Like as a kid, I think, you know, when you are with different groups of people or when you're just trying to like, have the latest coolest thing Mm -hmm. or you're trying to be we all go through different phases and so it's like how there's no way that my personality changes more when I'm like older yeah but if you really think about it I think your whole most for most people their childhood is very controlled in terms of the environment and what I mean by that is you know you're in the same home you live with your parents you maybe are from the same hometown for like most of your childhood um you go to school with kind of the same kids and although there's a lot of like you know random switching up of who you are one day versus the next I think it's all being done in an environment that was like chosen for you Mm -hmm. but the moment you're done college or the moment you're done I guess you know, whenever you're ready to move out and you can start making your own choices is really when you see the most growth. And I think that like everyone feels that, right? When you move out on your own for the first time and you kind of get to choose your environment, you get to choose the people that you get to, you have to spend your time with. You get to choose where you want to live. Yeah. You get to choose kind of the career path you want to go through. And that to me is where I think you experience the most change in your personality or your trait, maybe not even your person. Yeah. Yeah. Your personality. But I just mean like in general, you experience the most change and you are most receptive to it because Mm -hmm. this is the first time or this is the period of your life that you really are in control. Yeah. And so I think with that comes a lot of that change. And so I really thought about it and I was like, oh, that's true. Um, Yeah, I was like bopping around in my childhood, but I was doing so in an environment that I didn't choose. And even when I look back, I feel like, hey, I was just a weird kid. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but now as an adult, (laughs) I look at it and I'm just like, I feel so much more. It's weird because you feel like you've changed the most, yet you feel the most stable, if that makes sense. You're, You're so right. You're so, so right. Um, I feel like you kind of just get closer to like what 
like you you have done you've gone through so many changes that you kind of like find the right changes if that makes sense and then you Mm -hmm. stick to those and like that works best for you so you feel like great stability you know yeah and I think like when you have even if your whole life you have the same core personality traits right Mm -hmm. um I think you're most exposed to them and you understand them the most in your like 20s 30s 40s like that's like we don't really think about okay where am I on the scale of conscientiousness I still can't say that word Mm -hmm. or like am I an introvert or am I extroverted we don't really explore that and we don't really care about that until we are older and so Mm -hmm. it makes sense and then I think obviously it's not that it just ends there when you're 40 Um, I think that change starts slowing down because hopefully by 40 I think people are in more of a they're again kind of in a controlled environment but this time it's one that they've chosen. And so I feel like we've talked a lot about just like, I guess, our personal experiences and um, from there also just like, um, you know, psychological studies. But we also took a little look into the anatomy of the brain. I don't have specific specifics for you because... <laughs> My med school student. <laughs> yeah, baby. I'm just kidding. Um, but basically we found these two studies, super cool. Um, the first one, basically, in 1998, there was a Swedish-American team led by um, Peter Erickson of the Sal Grenska University Hospital. I probably butchered that. I'm so sorry. Um, they actually published a study in Nature that actually showed that neurogenesis, which is like the creation of new brain cells, is actually possible in adults, which kind of also is really cool because it kind of goes to show that, okay, well, if change is actually happening and if it's happening enough that your brain is actually making new cells, then it's something that can be like anatomically seen. And so you can literally, I don't know, implement change in some way over a period of time and see if there's actually changes that are happening in the brain um, according to like whatever you implemented and then kind of just understand that, oh, like the change actually happened and it occurred and it's, it's here and it's present and we can evaluate that, which is super cool. And then continuing on from there in 2006, there was a team that was led by Eleanor McGuire at the Institute of Neurology at the University College um, of London, um, or sorry, UCL. And they basically found that the city's taxi drivers have a lot more gray matter in one hippocampal area than actually bus drivers uh, due to their like really um, strong, I guess, basis of uh, spatial knowledge of London's maze of streets. So I thought that was really interesting because it's like you would think that everyone just has the same brain and then it's like your experiences that like shape you into a certain way and that we can't physically actually see those changes. Mm-hmm. But it's like in these studies, you can anatomically also see like, oh, people can physically, you know, evaluate and physically like... Um, what's the word for it? Measure, I guess, the amount of change to a certain degree. There's like something that you can like, yeah, exactly. Like there's something tangible mm-hmm. that you can, which is really see. nice and really loved in science. So that that was super exciting when I looked at that. You should see. I can't even see your face, but I could just feel Jimmy <laughs> lighting up talking about like science right now. No, I think that's super, super cool. I love the London taxi driver. Yeah, that one's a great, example. great study. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, it ties into just 
not uh i think like on a larger sense it ties into scale, uh change but the original study kind of looks at memory and i think also like of course spatial mm-hmm. navigation but it's just so cool to think that these 40 50 year old 60 year old people are able to physically change their brain structure they're able to train it um yeah in such a way that we can see changes and that just goes to show that you know you are capable of changing your brain yeah for sure you're capable of changing who you know certain traits and again not to contradict myself you might not be able to change really the core traits that you have but your adaptability (laughs) yeah for sure and that's just super cool to me so i love that um i love you no i'm just kidding (laughs) i I do but happy it's valentine's day when we're recording this happy valentine's yes you're my valentine you are also you and my valentine for like what the past five years yeah since 2016 (laughs) 2016 girl yeah 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 so um to wrap up i think one thing i just want to go through is what are things that can help you change yes you know um and mind you, full disclaimer, not all of these are uh, research-based, but a lot of the points that we're going to say right now are just things that, like, we've noticed on our own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to start off with, I think this is a great one. Um, awareness. So what I what I mean when I say that is that when you have, you know, a certain reaction or you're feeling like, oh, your mind is wandering to this thought that you actually wanted to change, then actually being aware of that entire process happening, I feel like is that first step to actually implementing some sort of change. An example of that is that I recently went through something where I I was like very well versed in terms of I knew exactly how I was reacting in a certain situation and I was, and that situation ended and then I, kind of was faced with the same situation in a different like in in a different environment again and I could literally feel myself wandering in terms of my thoughts to that same place I was in and I was like "Uh uh-uh like something has to change like something needs to be different this time around for me to not have the events of whatever happened last time happen again you know because I didn't like that So that was really cool. It was also really scary because you don't, you want to think that you've changed and that things are better. But I guess awareness is that number one step of actually understanding like, okay, I know that that's not right for me. So now what am I going to do about it? You know? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I think the next thing I want to add to that is baselines. Um, It's kind of a confusing topic, but essentially your baseline you can think of it like your default level and it's really weird because there's nothing there's no physical line Mm -hmm. being drawn but for example if you think about you know even just something like an emotion like happiness i'm sure everyone knows their baseline level of happiness and when they're at this baseline level you can think to yourself okay i'm happy yeah right um And anything higher than that also makes you happy. Anything lower than that, you start feeling a little bit cloudy and sad. Um, 
Likewise, when you're making change, one of the biggest things, especially when it comes to making long-term changes, is reestablishing those baseline levels. Think of what it is that you want to change. And obviously, you have some baseline that currently exists for that change that you're not happy with, right? Yeah. You want to train yourself to mentally move that baseline to wherever you want it to be. And the example I was trying to tell Juhi before we started this call was like, for example, if your goal is you want to be a morning person, okay, because if you're like me, I'm trying to be a morning person because I just realized the day is too damn short, mm-hmm. okay? I feel you. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Giving myself extra hours in the morning just gives me that extra time to appreciate the day. Mm-hmm. So... If I think of, okay, my baseline level right now for waking up, let's say is 8.30 a.m. I need to get to a point where my baseline level of what I consider waking up in the morning is 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And after, anything after that is like, quote unquote, late mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's just the easiest example for everyone to visualize. But this doesn't need to just be with like physical acts, right? It can be with emotions. Yeah. If you find yourself like constantly um, sad and not being able to really appreciate things, maybe try, think of where your baseline level for happiness or like appreciation or all those positive emotions are and bring that to a point where you can start training yourself to kind of, even if it's bringing it lower (laughs) for the time being, it's kind of like at least you're able to bring it so that when you get to that point, you're able to feel all those fluffy good feelings Mm -hmm. yeah and and that's that (laughs) and along those lines I think like another thing that really helped me was like having experienced the effect of the change that you were trying to implement so it's like let's say I was trying to do this one thing and I changed it up and then I realized that I was feeling so much better after having done that change in my head I'm like bro, why didn't I just do this before? You know, like, why did I just not stick with this? And then it's kind of like you keep doing that same action again and again, and then you feel better again and again. And then you don't ever want to go back to feeling the way you felt before because it wasn't fun and it wasn't good for you, you know? So while the initial change is obviously difficult to implement, sometimes you got to just do it, see what the outcome is. And it's like, if you like it, then just maintain that change to ensure you're in that same state you know and you know what this really goes this really ties in with the baseline thing because if you find yourself in a better position and you find yourself doing something that truly makes you happy right um if you reestablish your baseline level to be that then you will never want to go back everything below that is is like worth not exactly exactly so Damn, sis, I like that That's we're jumping off my each fingers. other's thoughts. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, I think the next thing is definitely finding your root cause. So this is really, it's a lot easier said than done because I think sometimes we go through things and we wonder like why you react to a certain way or why you are the way that you mm-hmm. are. Um, and the answer is not always clear because there's so many things that amount to making us who we are. It's there's a lot of it is biologically driven. You know, a lot of it is also shaped by your childhood or certain incidents or your environment. And it's just too complex of a web to kind of make these connections ourselves. But 
when it comes to things that you want to change about yourself, I think the next time you have a negative reaction or some some type of reaction that you know you want to change, try to take a moment to think, okay, why, like, what is making me or what do I think is making me respond this way? Mm -hmm. And once you are able to identify that root cause, you can go, sometimes the problem lies in the things that are causing this response, not necessarily the response itself. So when you identify the root causes, it makes it 10 times easier to then make change because maybe the change is not in your response, but it's a change in the cause or the thing that is causing you to respond the way that you are, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that does, that does. Yeah, and I think like, I mean, I, I don't, neither Juhi and I have been to therapy before, but I had tons of friends who've gone to therapy mm-hmm. and this is one of the things that they benefit the most from mm-hmm. is not someone just sitting there and listening to them talking, but is someone who is being attentive and trying to help them make these connections of like underlying causes that sometimes we don't even notice about why we are or why we act the same, why we act the way that we do. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point that you brought up because it kind of also puts the, I don't know, it puts that uh, independence still even in a therapy session within your own hands. So you feel like you're doing the best that you can you know, by yourself, even though somebody is guiding you through it, which is always really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this next one is something that I guess I, I know I personally relate to a lot. Um, I don't, I'm, I feel like you too, Kavya, but in terms of myself, mm-hmm. I feel like environment really, really helps. Um, just an example for me is like, I was obviously, um, in the, I was in the city, I guess, where I did my undergrad before, um, for like the past four years. And like, while I was still trying to change a lot of things, I didn't realize until I had moved to the U S that I just needed a change of like environment. And like, obviously there's many, many different factors too, in terms of the people that I've met, um, or what I'm doing now. But I feel like if I had not changed my environment, I think that it would have been a lot harder for me to actually, I guess change in any way just because when you're surrounded by the same people and the same thoughts and the same triggers, it's, it is difficult. It is more difficult than it needs to be than being in just a new place and then trying to do the things that you're doing. Right. Because now it's like, you don't have connections to things. You don't have memories with things and it's, it's a little bit less distracting in that manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, We also have just biologically in our nature, this sense of wanting to fit in. And while that can harm us Mm -hmm. in some situations, I think if you are in an environment where it is going to be very productive and it's like an environment of people who make you want to be the best version of yourself and where everyone is kind of, for example, trying to be that version of themselves that you want to be yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. that's where this need to fit in can kind of help (laughs) because you're surrounding yourself with what you want to see reflected in yourself and you're going to want to fit into that. And instead of hurting you in the sense, it's helping you. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And to close off, um, last point I think is choosing to change 
for yourself over others. And I know this is not easy. And I know it's one of those things that we talked about earlier today as well as do we really truly change for ourselves Mm -hmm. or do we, you know, a lot of the changes we do, even the ones that we think are for ourselves are externally influenced. But I think even if it's not necessarily 100% a change for yourself um, or a change that is even, I guess, instigated by yourself, um, wanting that outcome for the sake of improving who you are as a person is what's going to make changes stick long term. Because regardless of what you're doing, you know, regardless if you're getting reinforcement from people, that's all going to stop. The people in your life are most likely going to shift around. And at some point, all you've got is like yourself and all the only person that's going to notice a lot of the changes actually that you make is you. So, yeah, if you're relying mainly on other people, then no change is ever going to stick. So that's on that. (laughs) Yeah, you tell them, girl. No, okay, um, I'm cringing. Okay. But yeah, that was a great episode. I, I had so much fun. Same. I'm also like deep in my thoughts now, so I gotta unpack this. Cute <laughs> Marvin's room. <laughs> this wasn't no, even sad. It was just like <laughs> it's not. It's sad. not sad it's at just, all. Like, thought provoking, you know. Yeah, it's so thought provoking, and I. Uh, yeah, and I think that's what great. we want yeah. to have. Like, I want this season to be really like us diving into thoughts that we ne- never have before. Or like exploring yeah, things. Yeah, because we don't talk about this on the daily. Yeah, like, Kavya, <laughs> how do you feel about hey. this? Hell no. It's like, yeah, we'll actually roast each other if that ever ends up happening, usually. Yeah. But it's it's really nice to like see, I guess, like the side of like both of yeah. us. So, so yeah. let us know, please, um, what you guys thought about this format. And also, please yeah. let us know questions that we can answer. Um, and I think... Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think, even though this is not releasing on Valentine's Day, I mean, with our (laughs) editing skills and our schedule, this might even release in March. Who knows? I don't know. Um, (laughs) She's wild. And when she says that, it'll release this month. It will. February. Happy belated Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Okay. Bye, guys. (laughs) Okay. Bye, guys. See you later. See you later.